This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know. What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast. I'm unfortunately here, Yeah, which means I did not win any money while I was gone. Uh, but fortunately, I am going to be able to bring you guys a show that doesn't sound like I'm calling in from a potato. <laughs> calling in on a potato, I should say. Uh, joined again by the same cast and crew that we had yesterday. Landon, back in his normal seat. I got pants on. Where you belong with your pants on. Next to the tortoise. Next to the tortoise. Selfless. Out here punting it off with Jack Four Off. Mm. Uh, and Yoon joins us once again. Hello. Glad to be back. Can't punt eight blinds. You can. <laughs> oh, you most certainly seven can. blinds. How how did you manage to punt? Not only punt, but punt with Jack Four. And I was I was I was in the big blind. <laughs> you min raised. I called. I made a pair. I went all in. It's for the I memes. Got 13th. It was for the memes. What was for the memes. What was this in? Hmm? What was this in? Uh thirty dollar rebuy. Uh, online championship on WSF. Oh, oh, an OC. An OC. Wow. I keep getting top two tables in that damn thing. One mm -hmm. of these times it's going to pop off and get okay. away. Okay. Well, the Jack 4. It might just come in. Yeah. Kai could have just folded Jack 4. <laughs> it was. Got in. Yeah. What are you going to do? It was an optimistic spot. <laughs> yeah, it was. As a defender myself, uh, I see where the error comes from. Right. It was a raise and a call. Brian had eight bigs in the big blind, defended the Jack 4, flopped a pair, and went with it. I had seven bigs. Okay. Seven behind or seven total? <laughs> seven behind. Yeah, that makes it eight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I thought it was, thought, yeah, because I was like, oh, I only had 100, but I had 115 to start. Amazing. Well, sorry, we've all been there, man. Hey. You know, we uh, all fall. Sometimes you get ace king, and you would be better served to just muck it pre. You think they're not going to put the tortoise on the jack four? <laughs> I was watching your stream. Robbie was on. I had the jack four. What am I going to do? Fold. Oh, God. It, all right. Look, uh, this will be the only negative thing that I, I say this show about my experience at Live the Bike because honestly, I haven't had that much fun losing in a, a long time. Um, but there was a point where they were really, really trying desperately to get us to play the Jack 4 bounty game. Like, oh, come on. It'll be fun. And I'm just like, this is like this is not the action driving game you think it is mm -hmm. we played it all day yesterday i was the only one who even made a chance or took an attempt to win with it and i was like if we play it we have to like Raise the stakes, double right? yeah. the bounty minimum because we're often playing one two four sometimes it's one two four eight like having a bounty of five hundred dollars a man to play this stupid offsuit hand <laughs> That has no business having any sort of place in poker lexicon. Does it have to be offsuit or Jack Four? No, suit it could be count? either. Any Jack Four. Yeah. But like, who gives a shit? Like these the bounty people. games are. These bounty yeah. games are so dumb, man. I hate the seven deuce game too. Like I just loathe it because you end up teaching. Like if you're in a good game, it's usually good because the players you're up against are incredibly predictable and almost certainly under bluff. Mm -hmm. So like you can just range them in a way where as the as the pot swells and you're in a situation with like you know a middle of range type of hand bluff catcher if you will you just know that they never fucking bluff so you just get to confidently keep shoveling money in until they play back and then fold what but then suddenly you add the seven deuce game 
And all of a sudden, better. <laughs> yeah, these these maniacs just suddenly have 16 combinations of bluffs in all spots. Yep. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to do that, man. Right. I don't want to do, you know, like, let's not. Let's play the stand-up game. Maybe. The stand-up game is the action-driving game. Yeah, I think stand-up game's tough for <clears throat> uh, stream games, just from a production standpoint. Why? They have PTZs, it, they move. Yeah, I guess so. But it's still, they're, I don't know. They uh, move. They have, they have like, they have like discs or whatever that represent whether or not you're still standing or not. But personally, I think it takes away from the whole, like, standing is part of the, the, oh, the aspect of so it to me. it's like a stand-up game without actually having to stand up? Yeah. And it's just uh, whoever won the pot yeah, last, it's just, yeah, it's the just, last one to win a pot. Yeah, game. it's just uh, a, a game of chicken. Like, yeah. who, which, don't get me wrong, still drives a ton of action. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really genius. Like, the... The, the constructs of the game are actually like really incredible at uh, yeah it works at just incentivizing because <laughs> you're not playing to win anything right like you're fighting really hard to just not lose yeah. so it's just this massive tax that's being employed on whoever doesn't like care to try to win a pot in the first orbit it's, it's basically like poker too it, well actually it kind of, <laughs> it kind of uh, replicates like uh, a bubble situation right where you're like the most aggressive players in the stand-up game are trying to you know play big pots whatever the case may be kind of replicate the chip leader on a bubble the rest are just trying to find ways to survive without being the asshole who bubbles the event so now it's just like this last longer amongst seven eight nine people whatever where the tight people are so taking the worst of it yeah I mean, they're just taking like a massive L here where they're probably, you know, if you're playing for, call it two big blinds per person, they have to be losing somewhere in the neighborhood of like four to six big blinds on average, I would imagine. Yeah. Tight is not right in that game. <laughs> the last time we played it on Live at the Bike, the second hand dealt, I like fired off a 40k bluff. I got caught by like top pair no kicker. Yeah, I mean it makes the gameplay much bigger, which is also scary too. Yeah. When you're operating under a small a smaller role than would be uh fantasized, I guess. Uh you don't feel it until you leave. The second you sit down, you don't consider bankroll things or you know, liquidity issues. Maybe. Like if I was worried about liquidity issues, I would have just never four bet the ace king and <laughs> is this proverbial you or just sure. you? I mean, <laughs> anybody who's good, I would hope. Like, yeah. if you're actually sitting down considering the, 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 <clears throat> the uh, constraints under which you're operating, you're not going to play well. Is there a minimum buy-in to the Live to Bike game? Good question. Um, yes, obviously, but I don't know well, what it, it is. Wasn't, like, it didn't have to be 100k or whatever. No, I have no idea what yeah. it is. Um, I bought it for 30 initially. And then, I think Maria bought him for 20. She bought him for 30. Oh, she bought him for 30. Yeah. I bought him for 30 initially, and it was just clear that Eric was going to be like stupid three bet happy. And with 30, so it, it can go one of two ways. Like with 30K, that could be a good thing because you could just like four bet rip, uh, you know, a normal range or even wider. Yeah. Maybe even slightly wider. Even or wider. you could sit like, you know, 100K effective and play a bunch of four bet pots in position where you're probably going to have a pretty big win rate. And I chose the latter. Decided to reload for the, uh, for the lot, if you will. Got in there for a solid 150. Went home with a solid. 
Mm. Yeah. Fucking coolers, man. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fake cooler, kind of. Is it? I don't know. It was a double straddled pot, right? Yeah, that's why it's a fake cooler. Well, yeah, of course. If it's not double straddled, like, like if we're playing two hundred, four hundred, the hand could just never be all in pre. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. So, um, go ahead, Landon. No, it's just such a weird. It's just an unfortunate situation where that now becomes the be all end all. Where like you can just like play good poker and it's like, well, you get scammed. That's it. I'm yeah. kind of at peace with that. Um, maybe I'm a little sick in the head, but <laughs> and maybe I've just been we doing this. Are. Maybe I've just been doing this for long enough where uh, everything is just noise outside of like what's actually happening. But like, yeah, I mean, every time I get the call of like, "Hey, can you make it out to live at the bike?" and I, you know, shake out the sock drawer and realize like I'm still relatively illiquid. And it's like, yeah, I can make it, um, but, you know, I can only bring X amount. Like, they were like, oh, can you cover Phil? And it's like, <laughs> no, but I'll try. So I tried to scrounge up as much cash as I possibly could, uh, and I was able to, like, swap some crypto for, for cash, but, like, ultimately well, couldn't even round up the 300K. You could cover Phil once he uh, ended up losing a bunch. Well, he'd have to stay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that point, I think I was covering him. You have to find oil or water, right? Right. <laughs> Or head for higher ground, I guess. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's sharp to head for higher ground. Um, but yeah, it's like when you're on fixed liquidity where uh, getting access to more isn't super easy, especially when you're not playing in like your home casinos or whatever. You are a little bit limited and there's like two ways that you can approach it, right? Like the, the sharp, sharpest way would be just to go buy in for 20K at a time and understand that these setups hands are going to happen like you're going to have ace king run into aces you're going to have kings run into aces you're going to have queens run into kings like that shit just happens right and if you're playing 100 150 effective doesn't really matter so uh you know went out there with like a quarter million whatever uh that's if we're playing 100 200 that's 12 buy-ins so you can just go 20k to pop and these coolers just wash themselves out but the issue is that like we're playing for five hours only. We're playing on stream. There's a certain expectation to having these really good spots and these good seats. And a part of that expectation is the willingness to play deep, the willingness to uh, have the coolers hurt a lot more one way or the other. So now it's like if you're sitting five buy-ins deep with only five buy-ins behind or six buy-ins deep with only six buy-ins behind, whatever, uh, those coolers will often dictate if you're a winner or a loser in the short run. Way more so than they would at merely 100 blinds. But that's the nature of live. And I, I don't know, man, maybe like I just came to accept this a long time ago. Like that's the beauty of it. That's why the win rates are so high. That's what I love so much about it is that we're playing 100, 200, but you know, the standard deviation uh, in, in that game is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 50K. Whereas, like, the normal standard deviation would probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, if you're playing, like, strict 100, 200, uh, 100 big blind cap, the normal standard deviation is maybe, like, I don't know, 15 to 25K? Yeah. Right? Like, a third of that? Yeah. Seems scary, but, like, you're used to it, but is that a good thing? Who knows? Well, it depends on your perspective. Yeah. If, you, if you're 
if you're rolled to play like 501k, then it's a great thing because now you have more games available to you that are playing just as big, right? Um, but if you're rolled to play 2550 and you're shot taking, pretty pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Sad. Sad. <laughs> this is somber Landon. This is, but what have you done to him, Ewan? I don't know. He's sad today. He's just, be happy, <laughs> Landon. It's not that easy. This kid, this kid misses his permit test and all of a sudden the world's ending. <laughs> it's always been ending. Well, that's true. Yeah. We're on an expiring clock. Yeah. Uh, Why are be happy? What, what, <laughs> that's why you gotta be. Being happy stuff. What was your experience like uh, with regards to like what I'm saying as far as transitioning into live? Like, do you sit deep to cover or do you stick to the 100 big blind? Uh... I mean, I normally sit kind of 250, 200 picks deep in the, the normal games that I'm playing out in Vegas. It's kind of, I mean, sometimes the games play insanely deep for what they are with people buying in for just enormous amounts of big blinds. But I, there's obviously benefits to just like sitting to cover people. But I think a lot of the time it kind of doesn't make too much of a difference. It only makes a big difference if kind of the people that are sitting really deep are like all the chips are in play. I think lots of the times when people sit deep, it's kind of all the chips are only going in pre-flop with aces and only going in post-flop with top set or whatever. So it's not, nothing changes too much. Yeah, that's kind of the rub, right? Like uh, I'm in a situation where Eric's 150K is super fucking live. Yeah. And is in play and any opportunity. I mean, like he four bet called me with jacks. Uh, no, no issues whatsoever. So, uh, like the money is definitely not under lock and key. But then in between us is Ozzy Al, who is going to be very meticulous about how his money goes in uh, to the point where, like, I didn't think aces was a part of shove range there for 160 bigs. Uh, and now knowing that he did have aces. I would at least consider folding and then just playing 200, 400 the next hand with 100K in front of me. Yeah, I mean, it's, that spot's almost like a tournament and the kind of staying in the game is inherently worth quite a lot. So kind of to call off, you kind of need to be winning more than like the normal. Like if it wins $1, you're, you're happy to take the spot. Mm -hmm. But here, when you, if you lose, you're kind of, you got no cash in LA, so there's there's no rebuy. So you kind of got to be a better spot than just like a, a break even. Yeah, I, the way I was thinking about it in in the moment, uh, and obviously like I snapped because I just know 150 goes in when you four bet Ace King suited. Uh, like Ace King off, maybe I would have just like considered a little bit more and and folded, but Ace King suited is just too good. Um, but the way I was thinking about it is like, had this hand happened 20 minutes into the stream. I probably would have just cold called the three bet to begin with to like protect my stack a little bit and uh yeah i mean that's like the i think if there's ever a spot where you're kind of having having to make decisions that are not the highest EV, if you think the highest dv decision when you're deep there is to four bet and go with ace king suited mm -hmm. and like cold calling is i mean it's cold calling is not minus ev but it's not as plus ev probably as cold four betting that that's kind of the downside of when you have to take those not 
as high ED spots of buying in deep on playing off one buy-in or two buy-ins. So if that was the case, then that's probably a situation where I personally wouldn't buy in as deep and I would just play off four buy-ins for the night or something. Yeah. Uh, the, time, the time restriction is what always yeah. lends me towards gambling. Yeah. So like even in that spot, it's like, well, I know the stream's only running for like 45 more minutes. So if the worst case happens here, uh, I'm going to miss out on like an hour of play where, you know, I certainly have a win rate, but is it worth passing on playing a quarter million dollar pot here where I'm probably flipping most of the time? How long do these games play after the stream ends? So, uh, what's today, Thursday? So Tuesday's game where uh, Helmuth came, that was only the second time in... This has to be my 40th or 50th appearance on Live at the Bike. That was only the second time we played after the stream. Okay. Really? Yeah. I thought they played often. Like Almost never. Oh. Almost never. It's shocking. Like mm. the people that the games are built around have exactly five hours that they're willing to play and sometimes less. Like JD left uh, early both days. Um, there's been plenty of guys in the past uh, that you know, will come for the, the whole stream, but whether, or, or sorry, commit to the whole stream, but whether they're winning or losing will dictate whether or not they stay the entire time. Um, so, yeah, it's like, and, and the thing is, like, there's some of us that are willing to reg battle. So the other time that we played well after stream, it was like me, Limitless, um, uh, I don't know if Ozzyal <clears throat> was there at the time or not, uh, but Matt Sue was there. Uh, there was a bunch of us and like Frank and Eric Hicks. It was a great game. It was just like a great game and like we were very willing to uh, to slug it out and, and whatever happened, happened. Um, but also the right people were stuck. Limitless was buried. Uh, Eric Hicks was like break even and just jonesing to either book a big win or a big loss. You know, that kind of thing. So it, it is a weird dynamic but uh, it's not just there. It, it, uh, the two times I played on Hustler same thing, game snap broke afterwards. And granted, they were special games, right? They were games built around Durr and Ivy and uh, all these other guys, but like game instantly broke. Every single time I've ever played on Poker Go, which I think is like 25 times, something like that, we've only one time managed to play post-stream. And we had to like really jump through hoops to wrangle the right people to go to Aria thereafter and play. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate thing. That's, that is one thing I think Hustler does really well is they're good games they stream them for like 10 to 12 hours so you don't have to worry about playing post stream live at the bike is like a hard five or six um and i think tuesdays went a little long i think they actually kept the stream running for like six and a half hours and somehow we played till four in the morning so like the game just didn't didn't break ever um but it was close we were down to like three-handed multiple times and then people would come and join and we get back up to five or six but um in general, obviously, the people putting these games on are only concerned about keeping the lineup together for the time frame yes. that they're running it. And uh, honestly, it makes some sense because if you're going to encourage people to buy in 400, 500, 600, 700 big blinds and see these massive pots change hands, uh, you kind of want to put them on a time restriction because ultimately what's really happening when that happens is... Uh, you're not playing the advertised stakes, right? So if the game is 100, 200, but everybody's sitting a minimum of 100K effective, you're really playing like two, four, three, six, somewhere in that neighborhood, 
uh, it's just going to be the nature of how the game plays out, right? Unless you have an awful lineup where everybody's like 2.5xing and click three betting, and you know the six bet never comes through, and we see a lot of like B10s on the flop and shit. You know, if if you have like a super solver dense nerd game then uh, it doesn't matter if you put 10,000 big blinds in front of them. You're just never going to see a pot bigger than like a couple hundred blinds. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, like these really good games that uh, we we like all sign up for and can't wait to play, we're really playing significantly higher stakes than advertised. And that makes it tough, both when wrangling cash, because we're a lot of us are traveling for it, and that's just a difficulty in and of itself. Um, but secondarily, when you're losing... <laughs> Right, because now you had to jump through all these hoops to play the game. You had to travel. You had to round up all this cash, and then the game just like instantly breaks around the people that you came to play with. It's like, man, five hours in the grand scheme of things, when you really zoom in on it, is like, I think I busted yesterday on like hand number one hundred five. So it's like, fuck, man, that is not a lot of gambling. You know, you really gotta gotta make your best with uh, the fifteen hands that are playable in that that period of time. Yeah, it's wild. It seems like even though the stream is X amount of hours, it can look like there's a lot of possibility for gambling, but in reality, you play 10 to 20 hands and you hope that you get to win them. I get, you know what, though, sitting in there during that time, it doesn't feel that way. Right. It feels like you're just in the... Like, I played for five hours yesterday, 120 hands, something along those lines. I managed to be all in on a bluff. I managed to uh, play a massive quarter million dollar cooler, cooler spot, managed to uh, you know play multiple uh, four and five bet pots. I think, I think so, yeah. This is just the nature of your play. <laughs> I mean, I had it's just, the two five matter, bet pots I played. You 20 hands and you're going to get yourself into those spots. Well, the two five bet pots I played were aces and ace king. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's just normal. But, right. uh also just like yeah whatever i mean it it is it's really good tv i guess whenever uh you're able to condense that hundred hands and actually get a distribution that is meaningful the problem is is like what we were speaking to before is when you're on the bad side of it which somebody's always going to be on the bad side of it it's really really tough to dig yourself out yeah well you kind of can't you kind of can't right damn it i mean it might be why phil was pretty sharp to leave to be quite honest like, he stuck 200 in a game where you're not even twisting the right knob. No, yeah. No, I'm going to fix it. Uh, he's, like, stuck 200 in a game it where <clears throat> it's going to take a lot of fucking luck from the deck to, to, to bail him out, right? Like, it's going to be hard for him to play a 300k pot again. He's not, well, it's not like he's going to get unstuck, but if he does think he has a win rate, he's going to get some money back, theoretically, right? Yeah, the thing is, though, like, that win rate is, if you measure it hourly... Like, even if he's killing it and, say, making 1000 an hour, uh, so far he's, like, at that, at that particular juncture, he's losing, like, 25000 an hour. <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to care about, like, you it's know. It's hard to play $1,000 an hour plus poker after yeah. all of that stuff happened, especially when uh, you fail. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for some, it's easy to just be like, oh, yeah, this sucks. I'm just going to sit here and play. And there is part of i don't want to say the quote-unquote play mad strategy or whatever but sometimes when the people, fake tilt yeah oh yeah that that's worth a couple blinds for yeah, sure so i'm saying like <laughs> some people just think you're tilted and steamed and then you just like have a good hand that time and sometimes variance works out the way it does but yeah 
it's, it's all unquantifiable. It's all just guesses at the end of the day, too. The way I like to think about it is in those situations, um, both in how I choose to buy in and as well as like uh, if the game is worth continuing to play or not, is uh, looking at the formations where you're most likely to play three and four bet pots and then asking yourself, like, is it feasible for me to be making uh, additional money here because of the stack dis distribution or the player type that I'm going to have position over? Yeah. Like, are there just, like, pretty obvious ways that I could play an all-in pot? And I get on stock. Do I have a spot where I'm playing for bigger, mon bigger stakes, like three or four bit pots? Yeah, just like, you know, if I make straights, flushes, sets... <laughs> Those types of holdings. Make five card hands. Yeah, if I make five card hands, are there people at this at this table that are going to lose excessive amounts of money? When the answer is yes, you're just like, okay, like uh, I'm going to try to capitalize on this opportunity, and if that means putting myself a little bit out over my skis risk wise, then so be it. Well, that's what yesterday was, right? Kind of. I, I mean, it's like I'm sacrificing the attempt to like. If you notice, I load, uh, I reload like halfway through the session. So I know that there's like three hours of gameplay left. So it's like now I'm risking that I miss out on a couple hours of gameplay in a good game. It's like, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a risk, but it's like marginal. And it's like, okay, well, if I, if I dust this, then I either need to scrape together a buy-in for the following day or go back. And it's like, well, the following day is 50, 100 with, you know, not exactly big action gamblers. Like Robbie's been playing wildly tight and passive uh, you know, you got the next kid, Rosie, and they're taking a shot, or not Rosie, Frank, uh, Frankie. Frankie. Uh, he's taking a shot, so he's going to be pretty protective of his stack. I don't know if Kmart's coming back or not. You know, it's it's just like the spot now, like it's a get the money now kind of spot, right? And uh, I think Al recognized that in the hand he played against me. It's like that was a get the money now kind of spot because I don't think Aces commonly is going to want to jam. Yeah, probably just going to play some calls. Uh, maybe. If he has a six bet not all in, fine. Um, five bet not all in. Yeah, sorry, five bet not all in. Um, he might want to choose that at some frequency, whatever. But uh, he just knows that we're playing double the stakes this hand, and that I'm not. If I'm if I'm fucking around four betting, there's nothing he can do to like trap that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh, if he has ace five suited, which he probably doesn't because I have aces. Like, he's going to play cautiously post anyway. He's not just going to blitz it all off because he still has 100K behind and the next hand is going to be 200, 400, you know, that type of thing. So it's just like, well, I'm going to take the chance that because I have aces, he very likely has kings or queens or jacks and we'll just like call this jam. I'm just going to rip. It's like, you know, Makes it works. Sense, actually. Yeah. I mean, calling is obviously good too allowing you if you are trying to take advantage of having button in a bigger staked game and trapping with aces makes more like more sense than kings yeah so I, I mean to be clear i would have a lot of four bets there like right that, well that's what i'm getting at right so now aces kind of plays nice to the yeah. call you just kind of had it that time and he also just had it but better yeah especially like that formation where it's hicks opening the hijack him three betting the cut like ridiculous i'm not folding suited broadways there <laughs> maybe ever <laughs> you know so right. it's like i'm gonna have a lot of four bets there um and you're willing to blast it off some yeah depending yeah maybe 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 i i did blast one off against jd you did um jack 10 jack 10 yeah that felt so unlucky 
He almost folded, dude. We're watching it again. He was never folding. He just wasted five <laughs> minutes of our time. Yeah. Uh, he just had his, like, he was like, the way he was holding his I mean, card. he used up two time chips. Yeah, he was, like, like, desperately trying to get me to talk him out of calling. And I was, like, I had long enough where I'm, like, trying to run a script through my head of, like, is there anything that could sway him? Because I had already seen his hand. He showed me his hand, like, mm -hmm. 20 seconds in. And I'm thinking, That's like, no good. is there <laughs> anything I can do to actually persuade this man to fold what is the biggest layup call of all time? <laughs> and I'm just, like, <sighs> you know, I don't think so. I, I think if I just, like, stay quiet. Do you think people are more or less likely to call if after you see his hand and that's valid and he like kind of fucks around with the cards, you say, oh yeah, the hand's way good. You win. Oh, I think he just calls. You think people call if you yeah. say you win versus, oh, that's yeah. no good. Yeah. I think that, I think here's what it boils down to. I think, um, oh, you win. You win for sure. I think the general <laughs> perception of me is I'm not, I'm not much of a deceitful person. Mm. So if I say something like that, I think he would actually take me at my word. And, and just be like, he's a relatively honest fellow. I believe him. I'm going to call. And I think if I tried to say like, come on, man, you know, that's no good. Like minimum full house here. He would see through it like paper mache because again, like I'm a relatively honest person. So I don't think he would think to himself like this guy is, uh, is like basically it wouldn't come off as earnest, right? It would just be like, oh, that's such an easy lie to make. Uh, I still just have end of the day. Like he just has a good hand yeah and it calls next time you oh. should just have a boat and say oh that's good <laughs> i could <laughs> i should have just yeah i should have just been like oh, you win you win just call like after a minute of him belaboring i should have just been like please like stop wasting our time and put the money in the middle yeah, yeah. like something like that because maybe that's neutral enough where he kind of is like, like huh oh, I, I don't know think, i don't think it matters what you do i don't either i, I yeah. think he's got a flush and he's gonna call yeah. yes <laughs> yeah yep. this is strategy with you and mcnicholas yeah. did, <laughs> did you see uh the hand i think it was like two hands prior between ozzy al and uh the race car driver aka the professional yang yeah oh with the four high flush yeah yes mm -hmm. this is very poetic that now you are in a spot yeah. <laughs> where you're trying to get somebody to uh fold a flush where so, they tank called you with the flush so it's funny, the, the whole setup to this hand is hilarious because the day prior after Yang quit, um, Al and I were just like talking uh, amongst ourselves and, you know, everybody at the table of like how it's very clear this guy's a professional, like mm -hmm. just abundantly clear, right? And I was explaining like, yeah, I made this hero call with King 10 against him, not even a hero call, like a hand that calls in theory versus him because like it's very clear to me that he has the right amount of bluffs because he is clearly uh, playing for a living so this hand happens and it's like uh the way it plays out where he check calls flop with three four of spades turns the back door flush draw on the six uh i think it goes check check uh i don't really remember but it doesn't matter anyway they get to the river and al backs into his flush on the queen of spades and it's like there's yeah it goes check check on turn like yang just can't ever have a flush here he just can't like what would it be king 10 of spades that he didn't want to barrel the turn with i guess i guess there are some nut flush draws like maybe ace five of spades would be the the one that makes the most sense um you block ace four you block ace three so those hands don't exist so like, yeah maybe it's like exactly ace five of spades ace seven of spades that doesn't want to get blown off its equity although i think they're so deep on the turn a seven probably even bets so like maybe it's like one combination of flushes right mm -hmm. like he has one nut flush 
And L uh, correctly identifies that, checks River. Yang obviously has a clear value bet with Ace Jack as he you know, can get called by a six or, or a lot of worse hands. Uh, he also has the Ace of Spades, which is a nice blocker. And then Ozzy Al check raises. It's like, okay, this hand all played out very standardly. Uh, I think personally, like, Yang just has, like, a pretty clear fold. A lot of backdoor spades can get there for Al. And if Yang is very uh, range aware, he'll recognize that, like, he just doesn't have very many flushes in spite of him having the Ace of Spades. But whatever, he didn't take it to that level. He has the nut blocker. He knows, like, he can now turn it into a bluff if he so chooses to do so. So he chooses to do so. And then Al spends three minutes in the tank. <laughs> and I go, what if you had King Tennis Spades? He goes, I would have insta-called him. Like, what the fuck is the difference? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what my... Well, the difference combinatorically would be that he's like Ace, Tennis, King of Spades type stuff. I think blocking the three and the four is probably more pertinent. Uh, four is nice-ish, right? Could you block the Ace? Because Ace Four is going to barrel sometimes too. I think that's going to check back the, more the than... In the draw. Because it's not like you have that much on value anyways. Not sure. But, I mean, my only issue with the Ace of Spades Jack is that size-wise, I would just jam. Yeah, I thought that too. I would just jam. Like, you're repping nut flush, right? So if you rep nut flush, you just you just go all in. Yeah, well, I said he's a professional, not that, you know, he's fucking Phil Gelfond. Just go all in. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you hedge, bro. Um, I, I, I agree. That's I, the thing. Right? Everyone loves fucking hedging. <clears throat> People love to hedge. Well, because everybody's there on a fixed income, man. Ugh, people love hedging. It's hard to just jam for 140000 when you only have 80K sitting in the rack behind you. I feel like the jam, I feel like the jam works like way more. I don't think either 70. of them ever should work. Al clearly has a flush. <laughs> to me, in my mind, anyway, Al clearly has a flush. And I think that well, now you're saying that if someone jams, they, now they just have nut blocker. If no one, if no one does it anyways, not no. I'm saying specific to this exact hand and this run out and this mm. these two players. Like uh, I asking for a lot. Look how bored I was. I know. <laughs> look how bored I was. Like he just so always bored. has the fucking ace of spades in his hand, man. Uh, not always and nevers. Well, this this particular situation. <laughs> Um, yeah, the issue is, is, does he have a second spade with the ace of spades? That, uh, but if he does, you pay, man. You know, you just pay. Like, I honestly, though, maybe I'm just like getting to the point where I'm too jaded because I'm I'm seeing these spots very much like black and white. There's no other decision to be made here. Like, you have a clear bluff catcher that is massively outperforming most of your other bluff catchers, and he has a hand that could bluff. Uh, I have ace king suited. And I'm facing a jam for less than 150 big blinds. It's an obvious call, right? But I think I'm, I'm I think I'm moving a little bit too far away from my live roots. Where in live poker, like JD's tank with Jack Ten of Spades versus me is not uncommon because nobody has a bluff in my shoes. So he's just accustomed to seeing full houses and is like thinking to himself, okay, I mean, I guess I have to call because he might have Ace Queen. Yeah. Right, Matt, Matt Berkey, saved the slave to the sim. Are are you saying <laughs> I've, I've been a bad influence? The worst. The worst. <laughs> this is all I'm hearing. All I'm hearing the is it's worst. just a, I'm a bad influence. The yep. worst. Uh, I was so much better when I was just clicking buttons. When you're finding your own bluffs in the weird spots. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of if they work or if they don't. I guess. Well, no, I, I live I, right. I'm I'm being uh, facetious. I know, I know. Obviously, you're not a bad influence, but uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is that like the more correct that you try to play, the the more bankroll where you need to be, because 
uh, these situations present themselves and it's like, of course, Ace-King is like just a theoretical stack off, but in practicality, maybe it's not. Maybe he just has way too much of a concentration to aces, kings, and queens. Or sorry, uh, yeah, aces, kings, and queens and doesn't have like nearly enough ace-king with you. Doesn't have near, like doesn't have queens in full. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have jacks, jacks ever. Right. Doesn't have ace queen ever. Doesn't have ace five suited ever. Right. Like yeah. Now how's ace king doing? Yeah. It's like the more right. we bound his range and concentrate him to aces and kings, the more my hand becomes a bit of a torch. Um, but that's that's the unfortunate nature of the game. It's like you can how, never know. <laughs> yeah, you can never know. And like, how much can you actually play that back and forth? Right. It's like either you commit to the fact that this is live poker and people don't five bet. Yeah. So now we overfold, or you commit to the fact that like it's only 150 big blinds. You, you have ace king suited. Almost just justify which version you want to do what you want to do. Uh, <laughs> no, I think you just pick a side and commit. Well, yeah. Like I'm just always going to stack off for 150 with ace king, no matter what the situation is. Uh, and there's you could go the whole other way of <laughs> people don't five bet, so I'm just going to overfold versus five bets, no matter what the situation is. And I think as long as you commit to one or the other, you're doing fine. Yeah, seems like. It's it sounds it sounds scary. Like, <laughs> genuinely. It? Yeah, it does. If we go through if we scary. go through like the last call it thousand hours of uh live stream footage and everyone who has worse than kings folds all of their five bets, do you think they would come out plus, minus, or neutral? Versus five bet. Yeah. So anytime facing five bet, they just pure fold everything that is in aces or kings. I think the tortoise and I know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. I mean, probably, probably, probably bad to put any money in. But. Yeah. I, well, I, in, in, in practice. practice. Not in right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like if we go over the last thousand hours of yeah, but, random I, but, live streams. But like when you're super deep, if you're in position, like you can call and up a set, stack them when they obviously have aces. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think that's reasonably fair. Uh, Eric Hicks did that to me not that long ago. And sometimes too, you don't even have to flop a set, right? Sometimes board just runs out in a way that if their range is only aces or kings, they get wrecked because they just don't have good hands. Well, they have aces and kings. They're yeah, not like gonna the, fold. The, yeah, but on a four liner. Yeah, but if the, if we were super deep and like flop SBR is like ten or whatever. Yeah, know, but that's not. Gonna, I mean, that's. That's beyond super deep, right? Like for the flop SBR to be ten after a five bet. I mean, but even even like a, a four SBR, right? Yeah, it's, you're still gonna have situations where if you only have aces and kings, or even sometimes only have aces, and like the other person knows that they're not gonna put any money in when they're super behind versus aces. It well, I don't like know you. We just saw ten nine eight or something. We just saw two hundred thousand go in on a monotone board with uh, kings no diamond. <laughs> And then a fourth fourth diamond hit. So I, I I don't know when people when people are aware that they have no other hands in range, they tend to just like not fold those hands. You kind of just suck it up. Yeah, with the exception of uh, the only time <laughs> I hate to even bring this up because it's going to cause uh, drama. But the only time that I fully recognized that a man was capped to only having queens, oh, yes. kings, or aces. Oh my god! Uh, and I was going to bluff that range was against Nick Rattucci the first time they played the big buy-in on Live at the Bike like four years ago. We were playing 100, 200, 100K min. Jack seven of spades. Yeah, and I raised called a three bet with Jack seven of spades. And at that point, like his three bet range was literally just Queens plus. <laughs> uh, and I chose to, 
I chose the check raise on the 998 board and then just triple it off all in. Mm -hmm. And he folded Ace's face up. <laughs> uh, See, bluffing's good. I got really scared, though, because the river was a king. So it was like... <laughs> we just have kings. I, I, I was literally <laughs> in a 50-50 spot where it was just like, okay, well, I hope Ace's fold and I hope he doesn't have a snap with kings. That's no, not 50-50, but he has less kings now when uh, king hits the tr That's river. Brian on math and that numbers. That is true. But aces don't have to fall. No, they don't. <laughs> I guess queen's well, got it, a little worse. You, it looks scarier because you're jamming on the king. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you could have quads. Yeah. yeah. I would get my dick snapped so fast today if, if I ran that exact same line. <laughs> but that's why you could play jack seven back then. You six and, bet it too. Now. Way back then. What? Way back then you could six bet jam jack seven. Mm. No, you couldn't. Vanessa did it. Yeah. How'd yeah. that work out? She ran the fucking aces. Guide. <laughs> she she was it was legendary. Yeah, some things, some things are just gonna like Vanessa's transcend my spirit beyond animal. you. She has some really good stories from like the tweet threads that you've had of uh, playing with people and bluff catching with bluffs because they, she knows that he's gonna muck his cards face down. So she calls with like five high, knowing he's just gonna muck so she can win. Uh, she wasn't the only one who did that. There was a story <laughs> from Partouche, I think, uh, back whenever they were still running the EPT. And I don't recall who it was, but I remember it was Uncle Dan who told me the story. And this, this hand came up where uh, whatever the action was, somebody landed on the river with queen high. And they were just positive it was no good facing a bet. But they had noticed this trend of, uh, of this guy just like constantly mucking his hand. Um, I'm trying to think like yeah he was just like constantly mucking his hand when he was weak mm -hmm. so uh what ended up happening was like whoever the whoever it was the person like check called with queen 10 uh so like check bet call and the guy just like fires his hand into the muck and back then you were forced to show to to win the pot so then they rolled over the queen 10 and the guy jumped trying to like retrieve his hand from the muck because he had like bluffed with a pair or ace high or something along those lines and just like lost his fucking mind um, but like the way the story was related to me is like they were positive or, or had a high high degree of confidence that like just calling alone was going to allow this player's hand to just hit the muck and uh, and produce a winner. That's wild. Poker's changed. Yeah. A lot. Machines didn't have this programmed into them, you know? <laughs> Probably better that way. Cool. I would love... <laughs> I know it's impossible, but I wish there was a way that just for a day, not forever. I, I don't want, I don't want this type of power given to anybody, but for like one day, I want like, uh, I, I want like a, a full autonomous computer to just be able to instantly have all of the live data, just like just just magically uploaded to it right Could you imagine so it just knows like? literally every single speck of data that's oh ever been gosh. produced from live poker if only for just for a one day, day just for just one day make the sims go away right so no, no, i can no, play no i want, I want, the, <laughs> you want the sim for I want the super sim <laughs> yeah i want i want the you i want, want the, the giga machine, sim for you want all the machine sims. to play God. live poker no i just want it to have all of the information that we have through our mm. observation. Yeah, I tell you what, okay, you'd be, uh, you you'd, be folding, have, you'd be folding to five bets a lot you more. You want often to than have the data that we think is just true. Yeah, I want to call I, it 
playing five bets without kings and aces. But is not just, just that. Losing. I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to see everything. I wanted right, to check see, raises. I wanted to see what we see. So I want literally every single piece of data. I wanted to know that this guy has bet with bottom pair and folds when called. Like I wanted to know everything, and then I want to be able to model that into a sim and just see how fucking wonky the the outputs are, <laughs> and then I just want to forget all that information thereafter. But like for one day, I would just love to have just pure uh, clairvoyance. Yeah, pure clairvoyance over over like how ridiculously far away from equilibrium we actually operate. We as a whole, or we as yeah. like call as it a whole. Well. I would be curious to see how far off the high stakes arena is. So far, of, bro. High well, stakes like, is softer than fucking 510. I don't mean in like high stakes live cash. I mean like the you high stakes high MTT, stakes tournaments. Like the high yeah. stakes MTT oh, scenes. I don't care, but that's boring. I, I find it interesting. Yeah, well, of course you do. Because you, you want everyone to play like a computer. No, mm -hmm. I just think that like I want to see. I want see everyone to play like Eric Everybody Hicks. touts how they are like the machine, right? Like where it's like, oh yeah, like we play the machine, the machine's going to win it all. But how true is that? It's true. It is just it? doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If the machine could be winning a tenth of a big blind, it's still going to win all the money. It's like the house having a, a 0.1% edge of blackjack always wins all the money. So That's how why math works. when people try to replicate the machine for what the machine is, they... Because they can't replicate the machine. No, because they can't play for infinity. Oh, that too. Infinity. Infinity. <laughs> they, they can play for infamy. I, I tried to <laughs> combine infamy and... Uh, infinity, infinity. Eh. Uh, yeah they can't play endlessly so if you have a 0.1% edge in blackjack house always wins but they're able to pump out mass volume mm. right they're taking hundreds of thousands of bets a year printing 0.1% uh, over and over and over and over again it's just a tax the variance just disappears over that much of course uh, uh, yeah think of it this way the edge that the computer has is a tax just like the edge any good player has over the field is a tax it's a tax to the to players with the lesser edge and pumping out the volume taxes them more frequently. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So everybody is protected by the fact that we cannot play for an infinite amount of time for an infinite amount of dollars. Yeah. Not just that. Not, not, not just that individuals are protected because individuals are not protected from anything. Like you'll ride the dragon and suffer your swings and go broke. Like many, many, many people will, will falter. Um, but the collective pool in live poker is very protected. You could turn Adam loose on open field events for the rest of his life and he's not going to suck up that much win rate. Right? Because like There's he just can't play people. that much. I mean, you're definitely going to have a lot of win rate though. It's just he a matter personally of, can have a lot of win rate. Yeah. But what it takes from the ecosystem yeah. is negligible. Right, that's fair. Yeah. Right? And you could say that about the entire high roller community. If they weren't if they weren't insulated to this tiny little bubble of giga high stakes but instead we're all thrust loose onto open field events and like had if a, there was no high roller circuit yeah if they had an abi of like call it 4k and we're just forced to play max volume uh they wouldn't be like they'd be great don't get me wrong like they would still be who they are and they would still be wealthy but at a mere fraction of what they actually are able to obtain in the high roller community and also uh with a lot more struggle, a lot more swings. Like yeah. they would look a lot more like what we see in Elias and Altman and Osmus and these guys that have been perennial crushers for decades, but you know, aren't at every single fucking final table. Aren't in every it winner's fucking photo. It feels like they are, but yeah. It feels I, I, like it, but like they're winning one or two events a year. Yeah. You know? Uh, and even that's a massive number. Like winning, huge. If, you, if, you win one, if you can win one big 
These guys that win two WPTs a year are beating like thousand person fields twice for seven figures in a situation where like, you know, the, the, the sheer variance calc of it is just like astronomical. It's beyond me. Yeah. Crazy. Poker's fun, man. Is it? It's yeah. so much fun. A lot of fun. It is. <laughs> you when you shake your head, they don't see. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> this is this is the silent grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is London needs to be happier today. That's that's what the shake was. Yeah, he acts like he just lost a quarter million. Yeah. What the fuck's going on here, man? Yeah. No, I'm I'm all right. <laughs> he lost a percentage of that quarter million. Did, it's not about, it's not about that, that. that little five ball that uh mm. that your auto on for doesn't feel so good. <laughs> I mean, it's not about it's not about that, right? Like all of the monetary situations are. Yeah, money birds. comes and goes. Who yeah. cares? He just wants to be able to drive. Do I? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to build up things in your own head that seem like such massive things to you are just like so inconsequential. Like the whole driving arc for me is like, oh my god, this is such a big change. But for you too, it's like. Fuck no, it's a huge change for me. I want to be a passenger princess, man. Get me (laughs) places. Let's go. I'm scared. Driving seems scary. That's so funny. I couldn't couldn't wait to drive. Like I remember just counting the days to like start driving. I started Mm -hmm. driving when I was like 14, 15 years old just because I wanted to get out there. Yeah, my granddad would uh take me to the to the Slovak club with him. Knock a few back, be a little too tipsy to drive. <laughs> I'm go. like 14. He's just like, Where's DD at 14? Drive me home. Listen, this is uh, that's what, this that was your Berkey's first experience. Life, he's been yeah. he's been the the D the like the designated DD <laughs> really for like uh, our entire lives. Really. Yeah, growing yeah. up, especially when we were younger and we were going to bars and Berkey would always come to the bars and we always had a ride yeah. home because he was the sober one. Yeah, we on the other hand were not. That's true, because like also when it just comes to safety in general, it's gotten a lot safer now versus like call it X amount of years ago when you guys started driving and having cars and stuff. Well, oh, especially where we yeah. grew up, like you don't have the same context we do. I mean, we grew up in a place where there were back roads that were literally dirt, and the idea of like driving drunk was not like frowned upon by it. it like there weren't the same societal norms. There was there was like two camps, right? There were yeah. there were people like Brian and I who grew up like fairly progressive and understood the weight that comes with uh, driving drunk and like you know you see all the warning signs and people die and you have this fear baked into you and mm-hmm. you just know that like it's for the betterment of society that nobody drives drunk. Right? Yeah, that's where I'm at. And then there's this other camp that's like been their fourth, fifth, sixth generation people uh who live in leechburg that have always been from a small town and you know uh are are willing to skirt the rules a little bit and like the idea of driving drunk on a back road two and a half miles away from your house you might not run into another car yeah where there's a better (laughs) chance that like you'll see a cow than a a car it was just like nothing to them it was the idea of like and like we view speeding probably the way that they view drunk driving like i don't think twice about speeding i mean maybe the tortoise does but I mean, the tourist goes fast sometimes. <laughs> Barely. But, like, yeah, I don't think twice about going 100 miles an hour and, well, and that, the dangers. And... 100 miles an hour, I'm, that, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. I'll, I'll, do, yeah. I'll do 80 in the 75. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's easier to extrapolate because of the uh, potential fear that can exist. Like, call it the signs and the uh, ways that things can go. But at the same time, if you're in, the one in control and conscious of what you're doing 
you should be all right. Yeah, you're gonna be fine, kid. Just nope. scare Yeah, me. don't sweat it. Scare. You're gonna be <laughs> just <laughs> fine. It'll be fun. Wait, wait till you you get to look forward for the day that you have a putt putt date with a nice young lady, mm-hmm. and you get to offer to pick her up at her door, mm-hmm. like the the chivalrous thing to yep, do. A yeah. nice red Tesla. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. It's- I did. I did sit in it today. <laughs> I did. Sit, <laughs> I just I sat. Did. I just sat there. And I was like, I have this DMV appointment, and I have this car. Mm-hmm. I just, I just sat there. Yeah, I like, dropped you off the other day, and 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 the Tesla was sitting there plugged in. I'm like charging it up. I'm getting ready. The reason I was charging it was because it actually. You want to sit in it? Turn it on. If the battery <laughs> goes, light if the battery, yeah, like, Ooh, look, I can sit here. <laughs> if the battery goes all the way to zero, you have to get a new battery. Like zero miles, it like fucks up the car. Like you, oh, I mean, you might yeah. get lucky and not have to do it like the first time it happens. But then I went to Florida and the Bahamas back to Florida. Yeah, so you wouldn't make charge sure it. Yeah. It was at eight miles, and I was like, oh shit. Oh yeah, kinda, I, no, I didn't realize close that. To zero. Yeah. Danger zone. Yeah. Highway <laughs> to. Don't do this. <laughs> no, do it. <laughs> we need it. I, I think we need to watch the the Top Gun sequel again. Oh my god, Melissa oh. fucking ruined it. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> She she made us turn it off like right as we were figuring out if Goose's son died or not. What? I was so mad. Why? Uh, because had, she said, go "Let's gym. go to the gym on the." She airdropped, mom- "Let's go to the gym on the on the TV." <laughs> she was she was muscle mommying out. It was yeah. really I liked it. It was great. It was funny. Uh, came back and watched the end. Spoilers for anybody uh, who hasn't seen it yet. Uh, no, actually, I won't ruin Don't it. Spoil it. I won't ruin it. I like the first one more. Yeah, of course. Well, the first yeah. one, of course, it's it's of course. iconic, right? I mean, yeah. That volleyball scene, you know, oh, that doesn't. Dude. <laughs> get you going. Uh. Get you going. <laughs> like, what genius was like? Okay, here's here's the scene. <laughs> These airmen have made their way down to the beach, and a volleyball court is there. Of course, they're gonna play. Of course, they're gonna be shirtless. It's gonna be hot. The ladies in the audience are yeah. gonna love it. It's like, yeah, all that's true. They're gonna be wearing jeans. Jeans, no they're shirt. Be wearing fucking jeans on the beach. The song <laughs> hanging with the boys is playing. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, this is getting demonetized. That's why? all right. It's worth it. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, why are they jeans, man? Oh. Maybe they should have played the boys are back in town instead. Why? Because the boys are back in town. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because That's fair. <laughs> why else? Like, what is this scene? I mean, it's, it's beach volleyball at its finest, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, uh, it? uh, there's no other way to describe it. Mm. Um, Speaking of stream games, there's a big one coming up. Yeah. Uh, the biggest. The, well, the biggest in America. I'm pretty sure Triton's run uh, yeah, binds yeah, comparable. True, true. Uh, but yeah. One of the biggest. Good chance we see the biggest pot in streamed history. Uh, so this is a pretty interesting format. They are doing a $1 million buy-in. And the way it works is that you have two 500k shells. You can take them all at once. Or you can uh, take 500 at once and then add on 500 at any point, but you can't do it incrementally. So uh, you have two fixed 500K shells. Yeah. It can either be one $1 million shell or two individuals. Um, the blinds are going to escalate. It's a three-day-long cash game uh, with six heavyweights that are going to be battling it out for a million apiece. They also have a 100K side pot where each person puts up 100K and the biggest winner over the three days scoops the 600K. That's, that's amazing. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting twist. Drive the action. Well, it's, so it's like particularly interesting because uh, the way it works is it's three days of escalating blinds. Day one is 500-500 with a 500 ante. 
Uh, and then the second half of day one is 500, 501k ante. Day two is double the stakes. So 501k, 1k ante, 501k, 2k ante. And then day three is doubling again. 1k, 2k, 1k, 2k, 2k, or 4k ante. Um, but even by day three, the original buy-in is going to be 500 big blinds. So yeah, it's 18 hours of play. Yeah, they are going to, you know, there's going to be variants, there's going to be coolers, there's going to be money exchanging hands. But, well, let me ask you guys, what do you think the person who wins the side pot, what do you think that they're, uh, what do you think the biggest winner is going to walk away with prior to the side pot? Like, what do you think the number is that wins? So this is a game with eight people? Six. Once you're, it's a it's, it's six max. Yeah. Like it's you, it, okay. Okay. So six you're broke. You're done. Oh, so you can't. You, you no only rebuys. get two bullets. No. What well, you only get two bullets. You have a million. Right, period. So you have a mil so If, if you lose a million, you're done. You cannot lose more. Could than be a playing three handed. Yeah. Right. You can't just keep reloading for five hundred. Correct. Correct. Okay. So there's a total of six million. Correct, Brian. Um, and then a hundred k. There's six yeah, million I mean, that's available to be won. Right. I mean, maybe the winners. 1.5 that sounds reasonable i don't think it's going to be a thing where it's like it's going to be one person that has all the money at the end i don't Tough. think it's going to be thunderdome-esque yeah. but, but i don't know if 1k yeah. 2k with a 4k ante that's like actually no huge no that's yeah. massive that's huge so like 500k but it's only gonna be three hours of that yeah if you're playing three-handed though right well or even four-handed or yeah. even five-handed yeah Chips will fly. So, what do you think the number is? Over under two million. Yeah. Now that I, now that I think about uh, two million, yeah, like people, profit. Remember, there's only six million in play. Yeah. So a third of the chips. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I'm just I saying, know. I was bear just, that in mind. That was, so, that was over under, right? Yeah, two million, maybe. Over under a third. Oh, wait, if you had a third of the chips, you'd only be up. No. You'd only be up. Yeah. If two you million. if you win yeah. two million, you have no, half the chips in play. Right. Wait, if you win, say that again? If you win two million, you have half the chips in play. Half the chips in play, right. Yeah. Exactly. So many big numbers. I think <laughs> I think the person who wins the bounty, I think that it's gonna be somewhere between seven hundred and one point two million. Wow. Yeah, originally. I think it's gonna be significantly lower. I, I don't think anybody busts, barring like a ridiculous cooler. But like that's so possible over three days. Yeah, it's possible. But, uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I shouldn't say. All right, let me rephrase. I think I, I think at most one person bust. I take the over on one and a half. I think. Okay, I would book that. Uh, you still push-ups. you still owe push-ups, but fifty. Fuck Henry fucking owes me push-ups still. Pretty I sure. I'm not gonna forget that. Yeah, you, he owes us. He owes us push-ups too. Okay, 50, 50 push-ups. I get under one and a half. But you might be playing in the game. So, <laughs> what does that matter? I don't want you to lose. Well, I don't want to lose either. But do you think? What do you think matters? The fifty push-ups? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah! I'm gonna go over because you're gonna you, you, you're gonna get them all. You're gonna get them oh, all. Yeah, yeah. Well, Today's like, the day. Tomorrow's the day. He's like ah gonna have to root against you now i don't want to do this 50 push-ups yeah no, I, che I check back it's, i check back to you no, it's the opposite. we have we have we have opposite 
Oh, right. Rooting interest. Right, yeah, yeah. No, he, Matt wants to right, not if, do that, not if, stack someone, and I want him to stack people. Right, right. Oh, I was thinking about me personally getting stacked, but sure, that too. Yeah. <laughs> wow, see? <laughs> You're so... Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the format's like really fascinating. Um, cool. I, I'm basing this off of having played with a lot of people in the lineup too. Like, right. yeah. they're wild. Don't get me wrong. Like, we'll Rob get... is wild and uh, Eric. Eric is wild. And if Rick plays, he's fucking wild. Um, yeah, I mean, these guys are action gamblers. Yeah, yeah, they get after it. But like, you know, MJ's just going to be kind of in the cut playing pretty well. Antonius is very tight. Uh, so like, I think the likelihood of either of them busting is near zero. Yeah. And uh, I think that... Well, Eric, like, when it comes to the way that Eric plays, like, he just bl puts money in the pot. Yeah. So even if MJ, like, plays good, you can still just... I think yeah, Eric... So here's, here's my prediction. I think Eric either wins the side pot or busts. Yeah. And nothing in between. I don't think there's any shot that Eric is playing on day three uh, with a chance to win the most amount. Like, I don't think there's any chance... Eric, He's going to go for it. I don't think there's any chance Eric ends day three with any number other than zero or the most. He is a no gambler, no futurer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he's the definition of the show. Correct. For sure. Uh, so I, I that's one out of the one I and think a half. that feels like a very, very safe bet. Because what he's going to end up doing is busting somebody else probably. Like he's either going to be gone and that's one. It's, or he's going to bust someone else. I guess what I'm getting at is it's really hard to bust someone. 1K, 2K, 4K? For three hours. So well, you get to play. Depends. be gambling, I mean, though. But yeah. it's like 60 hands. Yeah, people try putting on the straddles as well and like pushing the game bigger. So that's yeah, something that's I don't know about. <laughs> I personally like... That's I, a secret tech right there, you're in. So, secret. So that's like something I don't, I don't know Maybe about like how power. the rules are, are functioning. But like... Um, I imagine <laughs> straddling in general will be very much frowned upon yeah yeah but realistically if half the table goes right let's straddle like <laughs> no, no but think happens. about it you're because you're on a fit no you have to say no because you're you're playing the long game right like you you have to treat it like a tournament unless you right like blood. imagine you're an mtt and you have 20 bigs and three quarters of the table agrees to straddling for a round you can't be the one who goes like yeah okay i'm in <laughs> i have yeah. seen that happen <laughs> really yeah I mean, don't you think by, the, by day three, there, it's very feasible for two people to be down, or multiple people to be down 500K? Because so, if they are, then it's, it's very easy for them to bust on day three. Not easy, but it's a lot easier yeah, to bust no, on that, day No, that three. actually is very fair, that um, the people who come into day three with like five, 500K or less, yeah. you're right. They They're are very zone. susceptible to busting. Right, yeah. Having, having just recently played a situation like this. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Where of, coming yeah. into day two... Mm -hmm. You know, we only had 100 blinds to start the day uh, once the blinds had escalated to 1K, 2K. Me and Ozzy Al were never making it out of that day alive. Right. Yeah, and yeah. we didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not so to go on a go tangent. Um, what happened to Ozzy Matt? Great question. Is he still uh, around? Because I remember him and Robo used to like man, ginormous. I don't know. Uh, he got insanely crypto rich when ETH first took off to 1,000 back in like 2016. Okay. Uh, like, stu like we're talking like nine, nine figures easy. Yeah, we call, uh, it, we call that GW generational wealth. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's GW. But I don't know how. I don't know how much he laid off when that when like it began to to tank thereafter. Okay, 
but he kind of disappeared around that time. Like, he just had made so much fucking money that we didn't really hear from him too much outside of, like, a few times where he played massive with um, Rob Young and Leon on stream. Okay. And then the last I had heard, he was in Bahamas, mm -hmm. where all the crypto people go. Yeah. But um, I haven't heard about him playing in quite some time. So like he wasn't in the Bahamas for the event. I heard that's where he was living. Uh, but I don't know like what his situation is. If he's playing, he might just be strictly on apps. Uh, he's a huge sports better, so he might have shifted into that <laughs> realm. I'm not sure, but we all miss Ozzy Matt. He's the fucking best. He truly is a, a one of a kind gambler. Like all all things considered, his age and everything, he is very much different than uh, than how that generation overall is built. Yeah, this definitely seems like a game that he would want to get into. He uh, yeah. created you to becoming a one of the biggest PLO winners of all time. <laughs> that was like, I would have played him heads up that night in fucking tiddlywinks. Like he was so <laughs> steamed up that uh. there was just, like he was just going wow. to give a lot of money to someone and I happened to be the one who was the fortunate recipient. Uh, I also ran really well, but like he he's a special kind of breed where like his tilt is wildly unique in that he doesn't try to hide it and it's very clear that he only cares about raising the stakes gambling higher gambling harder and ensuring that like he can alleviate this tilt either by pure destruction or by gambling his way out of the hole that's his only concern and it's like the most hardcore gambler mindset i've ever seen i fucking love it man I can just imagine you and him just going from no limit to PLO to him getting mad and wanting to play rock, paper, scissors, and then wanting to play like Candyland. <laughs> Bro, and then you guys was, find like Trivial Pursuit. It was truly like one of the most strange <laughs> situations. So it's like, a he, it's like we, all right, if you're jumping on one foot and it's a Wednesday. And we like, both came to the game late and uh, we immediately just get blitzed. I'm down like 150 and he's down like 250. <laughs> just like instantly and then the game like snap breaks around us like oh yeah sure take our 400k and then just like you know everybody quit uh so we played for like an hour and a half we're the only two losers and everybody like leaves happy but us and i'm just like racking up thinking like god this is so dumb and he's like he's like i don't want to play i don't want to quit and i'm like well uh, whatever man i don't know what to tell you he goes uh i want to play heads up and i'm like at that time i've probably played like literally no heads up even to the to this day i've still played like very little heads up that hasn't stopped and i'm like someone before i'm like yeah i don't really because like in my mind in my mind my biggest edge was like playing a bunch of like playing in ring games the opportunity to win money came from the fact that there were multiple people in pots and like they could all make errors and you play heads up it was just like well the most i can win is what's in front of you and it's not like you're terrible yeah. So like, I don't I mean, want to grind. Gets after it. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to grind this out where I'm hoping to win like you know 10% of what's in front of you. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, but I can just see that he's seething. Like his eyes are just fucking red. I love that word. Seething. <laughs> seething is such a good word. Uh, we should have Conrad say it. Um, <laughs> special. And, it's a special word. And yeah. like the more the more that like I'm recognizing how angry he is, the more I'm realizing like, all right, maybe I will just play this guy. But like at the time. I really did not want to play heads up no limit because yeah. I think it like you know this is 2015 2016 like I knew literally nothing about heads up and I just know that no limit hold'em uh one-on-one -on -one to me was very boring because 
we didn't understand preflop ranges very well back then, or at least I didn't, right? So mm -hmm. uh, heads up, no limit holding was just be a, annoying, like limping. It was a lot of folding, oh, right? Like we, but not just me, like him too. No, I know. If we were I playing mean, no limit holding, we probably would have folded like half our buttons. We would have just kept the same opening <laughs> range as if, as if like we were playing full ring on the button. You know? Do, do they? Do you still want to play like that now? No, of course not. But, <laughs> I know. Um, so like we both immediately agreed that we didn't want to play heads up, no limit. And I was like, thinking in my head, I was like, well, I know he's a PLO specialist, but I've played some heads up PLO in the past. So I kind of have at least a feel for it. And he's so fucking angry. Seething. That I think that maybe this is just the play. So I was like, I mean, I'll play PLO. And he goes, really? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like yeah, 500, 500. There's no way you play that. Like, yeah, right, that's probably why I didn't want to ask you. He's like, cause you knew this. Yeah, 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 of course. Right. And he's like, I was like 500 500 he's like yeah okay fine so i have like you know 200k in front of me and he has 100 500 500 is such a weird structure well i did it for a reason because uh i knew he was never going to fold buttons anyway so uh i wanted to give myself the option if if need be to be able to like check button whenever i was on the button uh depending on what whatever like it's it's a very minimal thing, but I didn't want to have to consider a limping range versus a raising range, right? So a checking range versus a raising range is a lot more intuitive. Um, but what he started doing was just potting dark. So we were now playing 502K where the button was 100% frequency uh, in the dark. And I had to like deal with this, but uh, I stack him like very quickly out of the gate for like a hundred and I stack him again relatively quickly and I'm seeing how the money's going in. It's just like, bro, he flopped a gut shot in and over and like just gone, like pot, 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 like all in. Right. And I was like, okay, I, I see what's happening here. So I'm now like even up small and I just, I get this understanding of like, he has no interest whatsoever in outplaying me. He has no interest at all in uh trying to play winning poker right now no he's gambling he only wants to gamble yeah so i never three bet i was like i'm just gonna ramp variance way down and i started like checking on the button and i started like never three betting and he got so tilted he made me start like now he's down like four or five hundred he makes me play 1k 1k i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't change my strategy at all yeah. like you know there would be times where like i would uh I would, I would like three bet an obvious hand, like good aces. And he knows I have a good aces. So he would just flat. And then I'd like block bet and he'd just like go all in with any amount of equity. And I'd just try to have to win a flip there. And I ran good in those spots, you know, so I'd like win flips. That's why you run good. Yeah. Used, but like man. basically I got to control how all of the money went in every single time. So I didn't need to be good at Omaha. Yeah. Right? I never needed the bluff. I never needed to know anything other than equity thresholds. You used, you used your run good in the Aussie Matt home game PLO special. Yeah. There was a spot, I, I won't forget it. Uh, I, flopped, I flopped three pair on a very dynamic board. I had like ace 10, uh, like ace 10, eight, seven, something along those lines. And it came like ace eight, seven, uh, two tone. And I remember like. Yahtzee. I, so I like check. Uh, I like check and he pots obviously and I just know that like the way it's been going he would happily get all the money in right here he's got combo draw uh, he, he could just have anything bro he could like, have like a fucking rap. ace it doesn't matter he just had but I was just like I made a conscious decision of like no because he was like 200 blinds effective I was like no I'm not gonna play a 400 big blind pot here where I don't know what the equity splits are <laughs> like I don't think I'm a big favorite basically is what I'm mm -hmm. getting at 
and because of that reason, I'm just going to treat this as a bluff catcher. And if I improve, obviously I'll stack him. If I don't improve, then I'm just going to have to like make a tough fold somewhere along the lines. And I remember like check calling, uh, checking the turn, and he pots again, and like Ace Eight is still like pretty nutted. Uh, the turn might have been like uh, a jack or something like that. Uh, where now I have a gut shot there's too. Straights, there are straights out there now. Yeah, but I blocked, or maybe a queen because there, there wasn't there wasn't a straight. Okay. I still have a relatively nutted hand. He pots again, and I I I call or whatever, and then the river's just like another queen or like a flush complete card. It was something where it was just like bad. Oh. And I check and he pots, and I was just like, that's okay. I only lost 50 big blinds in this hand or 40 big blinds in this hand, something along those lines. Small I'm just, ball. I'm just going to fold mm -hmm. and we're just going to get it in the next hand when I have kings. <laughs> you, it's going to be fine. You were playing the Limpin is Pimpin check button strat edition. I would have punched me in the face if I were him. I thought that's what <laughs> I was giving him no fucking action. Uh, oh, the only thing I was spotting him was that I was really bad at PLO, but he wasn't trying to play good, so it didn't matter. No. You're <laughs> just playing match the cards. You know who I can thank for for that for the strategy that I employed and like knowing what to do. You guys aren't gonna no, actually. No one in this room might know who he is, but Andrew Wiggins. I know the name. Okay, he was a former full tilt pro. NBA player, not joking. No, uh, he was a former full tilt pro, <laughs> know, and he was a part of Card Runners. Uh, I think he was one of the founding fathers of, of Card Runners. Founding father. So uh, when they did their deal with full tilt, he was one of their pros, and I used to battle him at five ten PLO. And his whole strategy—he used to write about it on like Card Runners and Two Plus Two. His whole strategy was to just play pure three bet out of position for like the first hundred hands and try to get both stacks deep. And he didn't care if he was taking the worst of it, so he would just like try to flip for like the first you know hour of the match and just try to get everybody 500 big blinds deep because he felt like he had an edge so i knew that and i would just basically not flip and constantly get in money really fucking good <laughs> like four bet the best of it over and over like you know start to understand what the top 10 15 20 percent of hands look like in plo and only four bet those and like take advantage of the fact that he was overly gambling and we had some like epic battles back in the day, but like I just ran up massive stacks in a game that I wasn't very good at. So I translated that that theory eight years later into uh, playing live nosebleed PLO when I barely knew the rules of the game. Hence why I would have played him in tiddlywinks. Yeah. So you wouldn't want to play him like rock, paper, scissors? No. I, I mean, no, that's too fair, but like... Unless you saw any, he kept chucking rock. Anything where he could... <laughs> purely gamble I would I played him again the next day and he beat me back for a huge amount like he was totally different he was playing really well uh he was calm he was faking it he was yeah. watching sports and faking like he was losing in the matches and getting upset and then just wow. like absolutely blasting me he called me off a bunch too like he flushed over flushed me a couple times whatever but like all things considered uh he ran about as good as I ran the day before and I ended up giving him like half of it back but uh that's okay the 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 craziest decision that i think i made was it was like 5 a.m we'd been playing for maybe 10 hours he literally had only ever doubled up like he had never more than doubled up once from 100 blinds to 200 so he never had more than 200 blinds in front of him the entire fucking time and i just stacked him for his final like he had he so not his final the other thing is uh i was giving him all the chips so between the two of us uh i want 1.7 but at the end of the night, uh, that was all I had in front of me. So every time, every time I would stack them, I would just give them 100K back <laughs> over and over again, yeah. right? 
So when it was all said and done, there was only 1.8 on the table. And I had no more in my box. And he's like, uh, you know, will you... Actually, it might even be way, way less than that. Because we were just playing uh, phone money at that point. So like, there might have only been a half a million on the table or, or 700k on the table, something like that. So finally, he's like, uh, you know, can you... He, or he goes, I don't suppose you want to give me another 100K or anything like that. And I was so fucking tired. Even though I know that, like, you know, he's going to keep doing what he's been doing. Like, he has no interest in stopping. I, I might be able to get him for, like, 4 million, whatever. I was just so tired, and I felt so on the hook because I knew he was good for it, but, like, if he didn't pay, I'm just so fucked here. Yeah. <laughs> because it wasn't my money, you know? Like, right. I, was, I was loaning on behalf of my backers. And it was just like, we've been at this for a long time, man. I, I'm going to go ahead and call it a night and go to bed. But like thinking back on it, we might have been able to play for another like 10 hours. And who knows what that number could have ran up to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, you know, at the same like time. a weird vault story that you have. It, it was the strangest night of poker I've ever played in my life. Uh, and honestly, like, I'm kind of proud of myself for quitting at peak because it's another one of those things where, like, it, it could have turned. 100%. I could have convinced myself that I, like, had an edge actually in PLO uh, and not just in the fact that he was, like, giga gambling. And he could have, like, doubled twice and had 500 bigs in front of him. And then <laughs> suddenly, like, I'm the one who's gambling way too much now trying to chip away at him. Yeah, yeah at some point there is... Like, he could have gotten even. For yeah, sure. There's I, a lack of... I was definitely not good enough. There's an imbalance there, right? Where you're now risking way too much now that you have what you have. Yeah, I mean, even the next day, like, he asked me to run it back, and I felt obliged because he gave me such a good spot. But I knew I was going in as, like, a big dog. Mm -hmm. I was, like, hope, hoping to just... Like, I was like, I, I can't play long. Like, let's, let's plan to play for, like, five hours. And I was just, like, hoping to run really fucking good. <laughs> In, in a certain way like not that i thought he had a massive edge but like i know he's the better plo player yeah you might have been the dog but you have the dog in you well i was kind of hoping that like <laughs> i was kind of hoping i would like stack him in a bad way like the first hand in and uh, he was and, just like rage tilt again yeah. Yeah. yeah who is literally we know that people that play poker sometimes might not be like the most rational actors yeah shocker you yeah. know that's the way it goes you have any uh fun stories for us Nothing like that. I really in, was enjoying story time with Matt. That was good. <laughs> I'm excited for the day, the day to come where you and Landon have had so much live experience <laughs> that I could just like finally move over to the green chair and have you guys just talk about like, you know, Lenny the whale that walked in off the floor that came to the 1020 table, sat a half a million deep and you guys got him for every fucking penny. No, my only story like that is when uh, uh, Lana broke me. Yeah, she did break you. <laughs> Or like, you know, you're just sitting at the win one day, Mr. Beast comes in, and you yeah. guys get to play with him. Or yeah, Andy I've got Bill. No, no good stories. Yeah. Andy uh, Bill used to walk into the win. I, yeah, you told start me Start a five ten game with him and two of his friends. They would all sit hundred K deep and then just let any of the regulars come and join. Just light it on fire. Like they just lit it. Yeah. It was like Christmas for uh the poker economy. <laughs> like six lucky winners mm -hmm. were gonna get some piece of three hundred K. Yep. <laughs> Or get ruined. Just absolutely <laughs> That's fucking a risk ruined. Too. Yeah. yeah, that would be fun though. Uh, seeing that, like, I can I can envision that down the line. You know, we have the gambling stories. The next ten years so. will be great for you guys. Just have to get to the casino. <laughs> you have to do just this have thing. to get there. You have to yeah. play. You have to play to have stories. Ten years is a long time, man. Yeah, I mean, you play 
your play schedule looks now similar to what my play schedule looks now as opposed to when i was your age i yeah. play london doesn't play though london's part-time nowadays yeah <laughs> yeah when i was when i was your guys's age i played as much or more than you well, i mean I, I don't play that much when i'm in vegas okay. fair but when i'm at home I'm yeah part-time i have other priorities now i have the gym it's adorable you have a well-balanced life i'm proud of you but am i proud of me <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to do this <laughs> you're, you're just you're just on a new generation new wave Ugh. uh one final thing to talk about before we get out of here uh speaking of the generational differences uh we have our Documentary to be determined premiering today on our YouTube channel uh, to clear up some confusion. We did premiere this like 18 months ago, um, but it was behind the paywall on both you or sorry, both on our site and uh, poker go. Uh, we have permission now to finally go ahead and release that to the public. So we're going to premiere it at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's in 90 minutes. Uh, you can find that here live on our channel the link is in the description below uh or you can you know just go back to uh youtube.com slash solve for why uh well you want to play that clip that i got yes. there it's kind of a little bit of a throwback to uh how the game has evolved and with it how the dream has changed um uh do i have a clip yeah it's what you just pulled up in the twitter page um there's a video there it goes right to here let me show you no, 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 not the link. There's a video attached. Scroll down. Yep. Just click on this. Yep. Now that looks like just a picture. I, I messaged you on WhatsApp. Hmm. That's weird. I don't have WhatsApp up. My computer crashed. Ah. Uh, whatever you're showing is the video. I can see the picture of it. Yeah, it's just there's no link. It's just a picture. No, it's not a video. No... It's an embedded or a link. It's an embedded video. It should just autoplay. Nada. Okay, well, we tried. We all fall. Um, I guess I'll pose one final question then in the meantime. What do you guys see as different as far as uh, your pursuits in this game compared to the pursuits that we had kind of coming? Like, I, like I wrote this tweet that when we were coming up, the pursuit was money, fame, fortune, uh, notoriety, opportunity to gamble at the highest stakes. We all wanted to be the next Ivy, Helmuth, Negranu, right? I get the sense that it's very different for your guys' generation. Yeah. I mean, that's what mine was at the start, but I don't think that's what I want it to be moving forward. I think that I just want to challenge myself, become as good as I can, where that goes that goes, but use poker as a potential leveraging point for some form of exit. I don't think poker is going to be my entire life, but I obviously love it. But it is interesting. Like, it's a good topic of conversation when it comes to meeting new people, finding new network, creating more opportunity, and being able to make the most out of my time within the industry and provide as much impact as possible. That's where I'm at now, but that might change in a week. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy playing poker. That's kind of simply put as that's where I am. I enjoy turning up and playing tournaments or, or playing cash. Kind of doesn't matter where. But there's, I kind of don't have a, an end goal of something. I'm 
trying to achieve is there something i'm working for is there a certain amount of money that uh would be enough for you to say like okay that's that's I've it. kind of made it. I'm going to start to pursue other endeavors. Like, is money a motivating factor, I guess, is what I'm really asking. Um, I mean, it kind of has to be because I, I don't play, play money poker. Sure. Right? So sure. money is part of it, but it's not... Like, I don't... I don't always play, like, what I think is the highest hourly game. Like, I think tournaments are inherently like a lower hourly to play than the cash games but i play them because i enjoy them more right there's, there's a balance right between yeah yeah between how, <laughs> how fun something is and yeah, i mean playing cool. online cash compared to playing live cash like hourly is smaller playing online cash but i do it because i enjoy it and because it you enjoy online cash more than live cash yeah really yeah, man, it's too slow on live, or is it like? Yeah, it's it's a different game. It's mm -hmm. not. You have to you have to be precise and accurate, right. and I, there's like a certain beauty in like having to play really well. Yeah, and then kind of live, it's kind of more just like it's not as simple as right. this, but it's, it's kind it's of more just of sit and try and call right? the people. Yeah, which is yeah. less enjoyable. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, clearly there's a number right where you have x going to go play a 1700 circuit main at cherokee or at, uh, at the horseshoe. horseshoe doesn't sound as appealing anymore right i can't wait Actually, like if you had <laughs> i don't know i quite i'm looking forward to going and playing the yeah. 1700 sure and that horseshoe. will be the case for a certain amount of time but let's say you just had access to nine figures of wealth there will be certainly be a time where you sure. say you know what I love poker and the game is still fun to me. I'll fire what I deem to be fun and enjoyable. I think nine figures, you, get to do, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. It's like when you have low seven figures, high six figures. Yeah. Then it's the you pressure. Can kind of break yeah, out. Once you have a billion dollars, it's like you're just going to, whatever tournament you play, it's not going to be big enough to make a dent into your into your, into your uh, overall wealth. Right, so that's like why we see just, this million dollar buy-in tomorrow. Right. All these guys are 100 millionaires. That's why you yeah. do so it. Like, they, need it yeah. they need to feel putting 1% of their net worth up or a half a percent of their net yeah. worth up in order to like care. Yeah. Um, the tournaments yeah. are different because some people play tournaments for other reasons, right? They play for the, the thrill, the victory, the, the, mm. the, uh, the trophy at the end, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it's just like... So like almost like if you have a billion dollars, is there really a difference between playing a 1700 circuit event and a 5K or a, even a 10K? Yeah, it, be. it kind of just comes down to how you feel in the moment, right? If you just have enough money where the result's not going to matter, if you still love it for the strategy, mm -hmm. if you want to do it for the glory right. of whatever that looks like in the industry of how we see tournament players then you do that but if you're just kind of wanting to play when you feel like it then it becomes a hobby less so a career and at some point that changes for everyone in certain ways well i guess that's that's kind of the the underpinning of the question that i'm actually asking right like right. for us of course it was a pursuit in financial independence and uh an opportunity to mm -hmm. never really have to work a nine to five but what we also saw was the glorification of everything. We saw that there was an opportunity to be sponsored. There, there was an opportunity to be bigger than uh, just another 
nameless face in the community. There was there was an opportunity to have uh, both widespread impact, but also to leverage that into financial gains where you weren't really at risk any longer any time that you were playing. That's kind of more the, the question that I'm asking you guys is not do you want to do this forever because I think we all have a love and passion for the game where we'll play under some capacity, but more so um, when it comes to your quote-unquote poker dream, was there that idolization of uh you know the household names the people that were on tv like was there an aspiration to want to be the next generation that replaces all of that or is it more so recognizing that the game is maturing the strategy is maturing the the market itself is maturing to a point where a lot of those opportunities are gone and the nuts and bolts of it all are the passion lies in getting really good at the game making money or getting paid in order to be really good at the game and then moving on to your next endeavor as you reach some of that financial freedom. I think at the start, the household name approach was something that I didn't even realize was a thing until I realized poker was an industry when I first dropped out and played poker from Florida State and played a sit and go with friends. I didn't even know that poker was an industry. And I knew the, but the main was, I knew how to play, but I didn't know that people were professionals. Mm-hmm. But then after knowing all of the marketing and seeing the, the D-Negs, the Helm Youth, the Dwan, the Ivy, you sort of get those ideas and dreams of, oh, that is something that's possible. But now looking at it four years since then, you sort of see it as, at least for me, not in the same way. That mm-hmm. stuff's not as important to me. Right. Where what's more important to me is trying to be impactful in the community that I care about. That's what it looks like for me. And then maybe at some point, using the network and platform from poker to exiting and doing something else, which could potentially lead somewhere and who knows because now like i'm super into the fitness stuff and i really know that's going to lead me but i really like doing it and making it like more of a serious hobby if you will yeah i guess everything you're speaking to just your generation and and you and you can correct me if i'm wrong but like it seems like you're very aware of the cap like you're abundantly brian and i thought that we could easily make a hundred million dollars in poker really (laughs) yeah Yeah, 100 percent. it's tough i mean yeah. No. I, I well, we were coming up, we thought you could make generational wealth. Yeah. GW. Definitely, GW. like, thought it would be easy to make millions. Like, really? Even, even, like, not, like, not easy to make millions, but, like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, eventually, we're just going to be, like, you know, have a, a, a million, you know, $5 million bankroll. That'll just happen eventually. You see, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah, just kind of, like, that's, you know. That's how, mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But back then it was kind of just, it, I mean, a maybe, lot of people were doing it. It was a small window where it was possible. Right, right? There were a lot like, of people that were doing it. Yeah, were a lot yeah, of people right. doing it or were like a handful of people doing it? Uh, and, I would like, assume a lot of people publicly. mean the people that were in the industry, the people knew. In the public eye. Yeah. There, there were people earning and, and busting off 10K rolls. Like, like Eric Lindgren's a great example. 10k or, sorry 10 million, 10 million dollars yeah. uh eric Linger is a great example like at his peak net worth he had to be worth deca millions uh somewhere between 10 and 30 was he just a poker player yeah or... he's just a poker player and a face for full tilt 
That's it. I mean, he made a lot of money from Full Tilt. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, it was but a byproduct was, that was of, him of being. Right, that's what that we was thought, part of like, the oh, generational wealth strategy. Right, is we becoming like, an oh, well, yeah, we, yeah. You know, but how yeah. many people so. really span it to ten million? Because that's if, got to be. If I had to guess, I would say. Hard. I would imagine it was a few hundred. A few hundred. That's a lot more than I would have guessed. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of them can thank Guy. Oh, Guy LeBear, Yeah. Guy yeah, Le I mean, I. It's, it's 10 million. I mean, that's not shade. I think it's just no, the no, truth, it's right? true. It's true. Yeah, it's just the uh, truth. That was the other thing, too. Like, back then, people were taking absorbent risk on, too. Like, selling wasn't a thing. Uh, getting back to was kind of a thing, but it wasn't super commonplace in cash games. So, when you go back and watch those high stakes, or uh, <clears throat> yeah, high stakes pokers, where like Galfon's taking a shot, or they're playing with all their own yeah, money, they're just fucking in there, man. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, Guy lost tens of millions in those games yeah. uh, between the high stakes poker and Rail Heaven. So, like, I imagine Durr had well over 10 million. Well, a lot peak. of these guys that were taking these, like, two, three, four, five hundred 500K shots, they, they got to two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars very easily. They're just yep. like, I can, you know, I can just, if I bust, I'll just, I'll just build talked it back. About, yeah. Siever talked about this again. where right. uh, and they did he was like, he was like holding lobbies and heads up as he was coming up. And he talks about how... Oh, I remember this. This is on Joey's podcast. I had a timestamps for this. Yeah, how his pursuit to high stakes, uh, he basically just had like his entire role on the line of like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, it didn't work <clears throat> out. And he just went back and held the lobby at like 510 the next day. <laughs> yeah, so what Just he like did, one one hundredth of the stakes or yeah. one tenth of the stakes, yeah. whatever. What he did was for the higher stakes uh, heads up that he wanted to play, he made a tier list that he thought were the best heads up players and rank them from like 20 to one. And he would challenge them in reverse order <laughs> to become the alpha. Like he like took on number 20, 20 the ninth, yeah, yeah and work his way. Beat that person, all right, now I'll take yeah, on Yeah, but like what he was saying is he already thought he was better than number one, but the reason he would do it that way is because if you go knock off the top dog immediately, the other 19 won't play you. That's true. It's yeah. so Which base. is really sharp. What, yeah. so what a boss. <laughs> Man, we that need is. Scotty Moonbots on the podcast. I would love that, Scott. Holy shit. He's, he's a lot he of fun. Lives here. For sure. He lives here. <laughs> he lives here, dude. He lives here. Yeah, I, no, I don't that's, know. That's wild to me. So I guess my follow-up question would be, now, decade and a half removed from when you guys had the generational wealth dreams, being at where you are now, seeing the industry change, where do you guys stand on it all? I mean, personally, like I've still have a ton of opportunity in this space and uh, I struggle with it because uh, my heart is fully committed to poker. I fucking love the game. Like I just got my head kicked in over two days and I, the thing is, it's like, it's just very easy for me to uh, shrug it off because it's just a couple of hands. It's happened before. It'll happen again. Well, yeah. It's just like, I don't bemoan. I don't, I don't, I don't look at the body of work in this zoomed in perspective of like, oh, well, over that five hour span, uh, you could have done X, Y, and Z differently and managed to not go broke in these spots. It's just like, it means nothing to me. Yeah. You're not right? trying to play the po post-mortem MTT bust analysis of right. how could I not have busted here? Right. Because outside of here? the Jack four hand, I don't really have any regrets. Like I lost my mind in that hand. Um, but like outside of that, I really don't have any regrets. You had a plan though. Uh, whatever it was it was ill it was ill con contrived get there on the ace uh, river yeah the, the i didn't have a plan i planned to hit a jacker four and then the ace fell and i was like well that's opportunistic isn't it we're all in I, uh 
uh it was not a good it's spicy it was spicy it was not good uh <laughs> i'm not going to try to defend it as being good but anyway the whole point i'm trying to get at is like uh i fucking love it but i'm more aware now than ever that these opportunities come at a very high cost so uh when i just had millions in liquidity it wasn't that big of a deal because you're rolled for these stakes and you can always just ante back up and the biggest thing you had to concern yourself with was being in a very poor state of not mind and not being able to recognize it and potentially busting off of like, you know, 10 big buy-ins or something like that because you're not cognizant of the fact that you're not in the right headspace to be gambling. But uh, as liquidity like got sunk into a bunch of assets because I'm a fucking adult now and you have to do adult things. Uh, and you want to put yourself in a position for security and you want to ensure that you're not over leveraged in any one asset. It's a weird duality where your head and your heart are just so aligned with being a poker player and wanting to pursue this, but you are logical enough and able to see the market for what it is to know that with every single passing day and every year that you get older, you are limiting your earning potential more and more and more and more by not tr transversing out of this space. And that's kind of scary because uh, you feel like you're 22 all over again where you don't know what the fuck you want to do with your life. Uh, so I think that that <laughs> poses a bit of an issue, you know? Uh, and it's, it's not fun to be the 41-year-old who is here speaking to people half his age saying, like, it never really changes. You never really figure out what you want to do with your life. And that's, like, kind of the fun and also kind of the fear. I think that... In some ways, that's a good thing, though, right? Not boxing yourself into being one thing in particular where you have... I am <clears throat> a poker player where you sort of allow yourself to be open and susceptible to change is a good thing. Yeah, it's good. It just depends on how you deal with anxiety. Like, I'm not an overly anxious person. So, um, you know, I, I could be down to... I could be down to like a few months of living expenses after having been giga rich. And I recognize that there's another problem in front of me and I'm going to have to sacrifice a lot and work hard and do certain things. But, um, what does become the struggle or what could create anxiety is within all of that, you also have to redefine who you are because so much of what you've accomplished and, uh, you know, let's, let's call a spade a spade. We all are living in the public eye in such a small, tiny niche community, even if you fully remove yourself from like social media and shit like that, you're still very much under the microscope. So you don't really have the luxury of just saying like, well, uh, I'm going to take a break and move on to bigger and better things for a small period of time and then revisit this later. It's like, yeah, you could do that, but understand that the process of you doing that is going to cost you seats. It's going to remove your uh, access to certain arenas it's also going to limit your uh finger on the pulse as far as like how strategy is shifting and like what you know about the space it's basically going to take you out of the conversation of being uh anywhere close to great right and you're going to continually regress to the mean as that occurs so it's it's always kind of like a cost benefit analysis of like how much of myself do i really want to sink into this cap market uh, out of sheer love and passion versus how much do I want to have a tough conversation with myself and say like, okay, time to do some really adult shit and go out and make some impact on the world. To brighten things up a little bit, <laughs> there is another poker boom coming. I'm excited for it. 
I have a, I have a uh, renewed uh, love for the game. You know, I want, I'm studying now more than I have in the last five, ten years, really. Um, and I just want to play. I want to play tournaments mainly. And, uh, you know, I want to get out there, make some final tables. I think we're in the, po the, yeah, the poker boom exactly. at the moment. It's already we, I think we really look are. The, I mean, look at all the numbers in the tournaments. All these. They are that, popping I off. tweeted the other day. I said, I said, hey, if you want, if you want to start on time, you got to get there early because there's lines everywhere, right? So, like, I think this World Series is going to be massive. I'm looking forward to it. Probably going to play a lot more events than I have in the past. And um, you know, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying it because it's not like the only thing I do now, right? At, well, as long as poker survives, I'll have a job. <laughs> right Burke yeah you're good, good. okay so um, you know it's I don't have like the pressure on me I just play and and enjoy it like I understand there's going to be variants and it's going to be frustrating to bust a bunch of tournaments because that's what happens but that like that's part of it but like you don't have that pressure of I have to win or I don't pay my bills this month. so that's that makes me enjoy the game just take it for what it's worth try to get as good as I can at it try to compete and have fun along the way that's that's spoken like a man who has a salary <laughs> that's right gotta have that salary security is worth a right. fucking go lot. out and get yourself a salary and then you know you have no problem paying uh 49.99 a month it's off <laughs> and that's why he has a salary <laughs> uh guapo i think i fixed that link if you want to pull it up uh let's give you guys a little bit of a tease of what's to come for to be determined that we'll be launching uh in about an hour this hearing is uh, on the subject of the regulation of internet gambling. From a lot of my conservative colleagues, I hear the mantra, never regulate the internet. And I guess what they really mean is never regulate the internet unless we find something offensive, and then we'll regulate it. Because this is the most substantive interference with the freedom of the internet that has ever been enacted into law. People Over the past... 10 years, the game's changed significantly. Contemplated by the legislation is premised upon the ability of internet gambling sites to detect and block attempts to gamble online by minors, compulsive gamblers, and individuals located in jurisdictions that legally prohibit gambling. Let me say in You're not allowed to play in the U.S. unless you're in a handful of states, meaning a lot of the recreational players have been shut out from playing online, meaning there's less money in the pool. When that's the case, the game just gets significantly harder because the pros suck up the money faster. After Black Friday, I immediately decided I would move somewhere. I mean, online poker was 98% of my job. Um, at that point, I played live during the summer and that was about it. I was humbled you know, after a couple years living in Vegas. So, you know, the first couple years were fine. We were all growing, we were all learning, we were all winning. I think we were all generally seeing that we were just as good as everyone else out there. A couple of our friends were ranked as the best in the world, you know, but then we started to realize that the game was changing. There was this illusion of being good at poker because you're beating these weak players. But as like the better players became further and further apart from the pool, a lot of the community got left behind. I mean, in terms of what changes, it's just natural. It's just the evolution of the game. 
the bad players are gonna lose their money and stop playing and you know the good players are gonna gradually get better and the games are gonna get harder like it just took a lot longer for that to happen over those years because there were so many players probably 10 years ago the naturally gifted player would almost always outperform the much less gifted player who studied hard that's no longer the case you can get very very good now by studying and you can get in trouble uh, if you're a very naturally gifted player who's kind of skated by on that uh, without hard work. I definitely knew that I could not continue to play as casually as I was. The game had just gotten too tough. And it just got harder and, and, and it was very clear, you know, from a decade ago that it just wasn't going to be an option anymore. I have a lot of love for the old days when, it, when you knew everybody in the poker room. If there was somebody that you didn't know, they were not a good player. Now, if there's somebody that you don't know, it's some genius from Scandinavia or something and <laughs> who's been sitting in front of a computer for the last eight years. Especially after Black Friday, the ratio of uh, pros to recreational players, um, you know, has continued to get worse. And the method of studying has changed a lot. With the evolution of technology and AI as it pertains to poker, people have been more able to understand how to optimally proceed in a variety of situations. And that problem solving was previously just done through human trial and error. 16, 32, well, none of that matters. You either, got it or you either got it or you don't. There were people that were treating poker more like a math problem, trying to figure it out. And I had never thought of poker as a math problem. I had always thought that I understood it, I understood math, and I probably understood it better than most of the people I was playing with, but I never tried to you know, get to that point where I knew all the answers. I just wanted to know more than the rest. I wasn't playing uh, high enough stakes, really, ever where I thought I needed to study, basically. If I was more concerned at that time with like moving up, it would have been a different situation, but basically if you fall into a pattern where you're comfortable with the stakes you're at and you're making good money, a lot of times you don't have incentive to study. And I think I was, I was like that for several years. Becoming more self-aware, honestly, is the biggest jump that people have to take in order to become elite in this game. Um, just acknowledging your own mistakes and starting to realize that they're your mistakes and they're not anyone else's. And you making excuses for them doesn't mean they're gonna go away. All right, that is a little bit of us old-timey regs take on how impactful the boom was. And, you know, a lot of the guys in this video have transitioned out. They were either forced out or um, just found greener pastures, I guess. Uh, and I think that that cycle is always going to continue. You're going to see guys like the Polks of the world who rise very quickly and just find that it's a good time to transition to other things. Um and just because the dream is different doesn't mean that the dream is dead. So I, I do agree with Brian. I do think we're in this second wave where tournament poker specifically is just absolutely fucking booming. And I think part of that is because uh, the allure, you know, the big scores are always just one event away. And that in and of itself, even though may only distill down to 30% ROI or 20% ROI, the idea of being able to just rip off a million at a time is uh it's worth trying to be one of the lucky ones you know string a few of those together and never look back um yeah i don't know I, i'm excited i'm excited for everybody to finally see this movie i, I wish we would have been able to do this whenever it first came out uh, a year and a half ago we were just kind of under restrictions but 
Uh, I'm pumped for everybody to see it. Again, that's going to debut here in one hour on our channel. Be sure to come back from the premiere. We'll be live in the chat. Uh, also, don't forget that we have a Poker Out Loud Academy April 15th to the 18th. That will be our final Poker Out Loud Academy of the year. We're going to switch back to the old format, two tables, uh, where you just get to do normal gameplay without actually speaking your strategy out loud. So if you're interested in doing the Poker Out Loud format, get it while it's hot. This is, uh, this is your last chance in 2023. We're also doing an MTT Academy right before the WSOP. It's going to be that final weekend leading into the WSOP. So that's going to be April 24th through the May 27th. 24th. Sorry, May 24th through the 27th. Apologies. Um, it's going to be a four-day Academy. Same thing. It's going to be split between uh, theory in the morning, gameplay in the afternoon. Matt Hunt is going to be your lead instructor for that one while uh, Landon and I do some commentary during the gameplay. Uh, the actual gameplay structure itself is pretty unique, so it will play out where uh, when you bust, you just re-enter with the average stack, and we basically create this faux field uh, of you know, 60, 70 people. Uh, all culminating in everybody playing a final table on the final day, dealing with ICM implications. Uh, you guys will study those prior to the actual event taking place. Um, very, very well run. Matt's one of the best at this as far as I'm concerned. So if you guys are interested in that, head over to academy.sulfurwide.io. Both are available for purchase there. The MTT is in the banner at the top. Uh, the Poker Out Loud Academy, just follow the tab Academy at the top to register for that one. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back for the final show of the week tomorrow, normal time, noon Pacific. Looking forward to having you guys all back. Thanks for riding with us again. We'll see you guys then. Peace.